Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. Hi, this is Bill Baker. Welcome to the podcast today. You know, when all of us who have children entrust them to coaches, administrators, institutions, programs, you know, we want to make sure that the people in charge are people we trust, people with high integrity, people who are excited about making a difference in the lives of children in their, our communities, in their communities. Today's guest is one of those people. I've known him for a long time. Um, we are from the same part of the great state of Ohio, the north central quadrant up north of Columbus on the way to Cleveland. He's from one of the rival high schools of my Highland Fighting Scots, the Lexington Minutemen. He talks in his conversation about the venue at Lexington High School, the new gym at Lexington High School, and I will put that place up against any high school venue or small college venue in the country as a cauldron of excitement and intensity, as was evidenced in the uh, late 80s and early 90s when our two rival high schools battled it out on the courts. And um, in sidebar conversations, we've actually discovered that they, we were there at the same time, me as a visiting fan, him as a home fan. But our hatred for each other back then has melted away. Joe Roberts is the director of athletics for Princeton City Schools just outside of Cincinnati, the mighty Princeton Vikings, the storied athletic programs of the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, is poised to return to greatness under his leadership. Joe has a passion for what he does. Um, from his experience as an athlete, a student athlete, a student manager, and really comes to work every day to make a difference in the lives of others through an attitude of servant leadership and modeling of integrity and caring about his kids. As I mentioned before, he was a scholarship student manager for the men's basketball program at the University of Cincinnati, um, did his graduate work at Xavier University, and has worked at multiple districts, including his alma mater, Lexington, where he was the athletic director prior to coming back to Cincinnati to work at Princeton. He's also served as the past president of the Ohio High School Athletic Association and been a previous member of the board of directors. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. He's got some great insights. He is a natural storyteller, and I haven't even told him on a sidebar he'd be great behind a pulpit. So welcome to today's exceptional person and guest, the leader of the Princeton Vikings Nation, Mr. Joe Roberts. I'm a proud alumni of Lexington High School in Mansfield, Ohio. I graduated in 1993 and uh, attended the University of Cincinnati from 93 to 98, where I obtained my undergrad in business administration and then had an opportunity to go do uh, some graduate school work at West Virginia University, um, where I met my wife uh, eventually. And then uh, while there, an opportunity arose for me to come back to the University of Cincinnati and work in the athletic department itself and complete my master's in sports administration from Xavier University. So mm -hmm. Uh, kind of brought me back to uh, the place where I, I just I felt at home and 
started my athletic administrative career there. And um, once I finished my master's degree, uh, my wife, uh, who graduated from West Virginia and got a degree in education, she she found a job at Deer Park Schools and bought a house. And I was still working at UC as a uh, development and promotions assistant and, and just, you know, having having the time of, of youth that you would have. And uh, she moves here and buys a house and gets a job. And it was just time for me to settle down. And so um, I could have stayed in probably the role that I was in at the university at the time and, and advanced over a longer period of time. But um, I knew that it was really time to get serious. Uh, and so an opportunity to go to King's local schools and start my um, interscholastic athletic career at this level as a, as a junior high AD. And I, I covered four periods of study hall and was the junior high athletic director in the afternoon. And that really just kind of transcended to where, where we are today here at Princeton. And I've had some stops along the way, had an opportunity to go home to my alma mater at Lexington where I was for six years and, and be a part of that uh, that program, and that that was near and dear to me, mm-hmm. and uh, something I'll never forget to be able to go home to, you know, where you grew up and walk the halls and see your locker that you had, and and around a lot of your teachers that you had, and the the gentleman was the superintendent at the time; he was my high school principal. Mm-hmm. So uh, to have those connectivities and those relationships and bring those back to fruition um, was an incredible experience. But then uh, when the door opened for me to come back and and join the Vikings, it just was uh, something I, just a great opportunity for me to take a, be a part of. And here we are, you know, we just finished year one and it's just been a great experience. Princeton uh, is just an incredible school district with uh, an extreme diverse background and, and a, an incredible makeup of, of teachers and student athletes and, and students in general, and just a high passion with a lot of pride in what we do here, not just in athletics, but also in the academic side of things in our, in our fine arts program. There's just so much pride in the kids uh, of Princeton and it's just so impactful. So it's, it's great to be back. Yeah, I'll bet. So through this journey, you know, Big Lex, Cincinnati, WVU, back and north. Who are some key mentors and influences, you know, through that education and professional career? Maybe you want to call out key individuals or personalities. Yeah, I mean, I the list is forever, but I can go back. I can tell you that when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, the gentleman that I replaced at Lexington, his name was John Harris, and at the time. Uh, Coach Harris, he was our tennis coach, and he also was the assistant athletic director. And he came down to study hall one day, and he needed some kids to help squeegee off the tennis court. And from there, I became his office aide. And just a, a bond relationship grew, and it was a smaller school. So I, I you know, uh, John's kids and I, we were all in school together, and we all played together growing up. And um, had different paths, if you will, but we all knew one another. And so, but, you know, John just had me in his office as an office aide. And I, I started then, and I had this desire that I was going to be a a teacher and a coach. And then I wanted to be an assistant athletic director and then the assistant principal of the high school and then the principal and all the way down to being a school superintendent. And uh, he, he broke that interest really with me. Um, and then the gentleman at the time, uh, the assistant superintendent, Bill Schwartzmiller, 
uh, it, it, I just wanted to follow their path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had so much as a small knit family, we all kind of went to games together or as, you know, we had, we had relationships with the families because we all grew up together and played sports together, but seeing what they, uh, the camaraderie and the relationship piece that athletics brought and education brought, and in particular, educational administration, what, uh, they everyone hung out together and spent time together, played golf together, went to lunch together. After the games, you'd go out to dinner together. That really was the forefront. And, and as I was saying earlier, Mike Ziegelhofer, he was our high school principal at the time and just recently retired superintendent of Lexington. Just that that influence that I had from that era really set me out into where I wanted to go. And then obviously I have an opportunity to come to the University of Cincinnati and it really started with the resident advisor mm-hmm. in Calhoun Hall on the fourth floor, Patrick oh. Stewart. Calhoun. Patrick was a, <laughs> the uh, was a student manager for the football team, mm-hmm. and here I am, an only child, an only grandchild, and and my parents are shipping me off from Mansfield, Ohio, to Clifton, and and I'm excited and ready to go, and I want to be a Bearcat, but I, you know, got no no idea of what I'm about to get myself into in the world of college. And Patrick takes me under his wing. He's like, look, come and be a football manager with us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, what, what do I got to do to do that? And he said, oh, it's great. You know, practices or whatever time and you come after your classes or what have you, but Thursday night, it's the best. We, we wax the helmets and get them ready for whether we were going to leave because Thursday was the last hard practice. Friday's always a walkthrough Saturday game, but steak and shrimp. You know, you get to eat steak and shrimp in the cafeteria with the football team. And I'm like, I'm in. Sign me up. So here I am. I'm, you know, 18 years old. I'm trying to figure everything out. And I'm I'm doing this. And back then, you know, we were on the quarter system at UC. So they had had four or five games before we even get on campus. So the season wasn't much longer. It wasn't much left. And I run into my old high school basketball coach. Hmm. And... <clears throat> He says, you want to be a manager for the basketball team? And I said, yeah, sure. What, what do I got to do? And he said, you know, John Lawyer at the time was an assistant coach at, at UC. And mm-hmm. he was from the same area, Crawford County, that he went to Northmore schools oh, and, yeah. uh, that, that I was from. Mm-hmm. And he knew uh, my coach. And uh, he, he also knew John Harris as well. But he, uh, he ended up calling me and said, hey, just come down, and we spent some time talking about Lexington and back home, and next thing I know, I'm working for the men's basketball team. And just what an incredible opportunity that was for me. And um, after that first year, I I don't know really what the connectivity was to Coach Huggins at that time, but the season ends, and we're getting ready to have our end-of-the-year awards program, and he basically says, I'm um, making you our new scholarship manager. Wow. You're going to stay here all summer and work camps, and this is what I, you, you have to do, and you're going to stay in this dorm over the summer. Coach Lawyer has all that lined up for you. And it wasn't, hey, are you interested? It was, this is what we need you to do. <laughs> you're doing and it, And I Jeff. just said, Coach, I'm, yeah, well, and I did, Coach, I'm in, you know. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know he knew my name, let alone that he wanted me to do that. So um, it just took off from there. And the the, the the entire, you know, coach and his family and his, his daughters and, and June, just the opportunity to be around 
college athletics at that level oh, yeah. and to get to do the things that I was, was given the opportunities to do, it, it almost changed my mindset. And at that time, we had had some, some changes in athletic directors. Um, Rick Taylor had moved on to Northwestern University, but the assistants that were there, uh, uh, Bill Malvahill and Coach Kelly, um, you know, they, they really, Paul Klazak in the ticket office, you know, just remembering Coach Bruce Ivory. And at that time, he was in academics and he started moving into some other areas. I started to see myself that I wanted to get into the college level of athletic administration. Hmm. And when Bob Going showed up as our athletics director many years later after that, I, I, that was my goal. I was like, he is someone I want to be mentored by. Mm-hmm. Not only because of his history from coming from Florida State and the things that he had done, but just watching how he oversaw our our department and oversaw mm-hmm. the programs themselves and his vision for what an athletics department could do and trying to transition them into the Big East or into a bigger conference at that time with, uh, with Conference USA, but wanting to position football into a different level. And, and using what we had going with the success of our basketball program, he just that was just something that I, I dove into. And he had a senior associate AD at the time by the name of John Sheffield. And, again, I don't know if it, what I said or what I did, kind of like with hugs, I, I just kind of got under his wing and, and went. And I'm like, that, this is the way I want to go. But had an opportunity to get out and, and move into the high school world and I can think back to Phil Risen, who was the athletic director at the time in Montgomery County Schools in, in Kentucky, mm-hmm. when I took the uh, athletic director's job for Campbell County Schools, mm-hmm. just the mentoring that he provided me. And Phil's now uh, an associate executive director for the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. So he over- helped oversees our national association uh, in terms of what we're doing across the country. But having him uh, around, it's just, and it can continue to grow. But then I come back and I, you know, the, the administrative team I had at Lebanon, Dr. Sam Eisen and his two assistants, Scott Butler and Robert Buskirk, just complete uh, leadership capacities and qualities that I saw uh, along the way that continued to help help me develop and grow. And then every single athletic director that I've been able to uh, be around, you, you just constantly learn something from them. Um, and so I consider us and in in our profession, all of them kind of mentors to me. And going back to Lexington, mm-hmm. uh, having an opportunity to be there and work with John, Harris, as he retired out, um, my dad, when my dad retired, he was a, an, a, you know, mythical or, or whatever you want to title him, an assistant at Lexington with us. And mm-hmm. just, that was just an incredible opportunity to be around him. And, you know, and, and it's not just those types of leaders. It was, uh, the administrative assistants that we had, those that were on the ground, taking care of everything while we were, uh, so that we can focus on different areas of, of leadership. Um, I can think of them. I can think of, you know, my youth pastor growing up, Tim Armstrong, mm-hmm. um, what he did for us and, and how he helped lay a path of what each each individual would look like. But he always said, and you were joking before we started a little bit about politics or, or behind the pulpit, 
Yeah. You know, he always said, you're going to be the, you know, you're going to be the mayor. You're going to, you know, and so um, just he saw those strengths and those qualities of, sure. of what we've been able to accomplish. But uh, it's been every day someone lays a new path for me here now at Princeton. I think of the leadership that our superintendent, uh, Tom Burton, displays every single day and, and the mission and the vision that he has laid out for Princeton schools and then getting into our building administration from our high school principal and the leadership that he displays to our custodians and our business manager and every single person that we come in contact with all the way down to our student athletes, they all influence me every single day and help drive my career path. The staff I have here at this, in this department now, just a, an additional component. Uh, we, we sit around a table daily and uh, banter back and forth. Um, just earlier today, we were laying out our agenda for our fall coaches meeting that we're going to do virtually next week. And just, this is good. This isn't good. And, you know, why isn't this good? And just those types of influences that we are able to have, it just helps build and helps you grow. Yeah. So how do you see the pandemic uh, changing both short-term while we're wrestling with it and yeah. long-term post-medical treatment or vaccine? How do you see it changing the landscape of competitive school-based athletics? Well, you know, the, the, the hard part to, the hard answer to that is it's already changed it. Mm -hmm. And the, the difficult response is going to be, we don't know. What, what is changing is the way that we are reacting to the experiences and to the events. Um, this, this, um, this pandemic that, that hit us back on March the 13th of 2020, uh, officially when everyone was sent home, uh, if you will, it has changed how we perceive uh, contact with other individuals. And that is, that's been the, um, that's been what, what I think is going to lay the path moving forward. I don't know how long Zoom's been around or Google Hangout or Microsoft Teams, but now it is at the forefront of everything we do in this business. We're Zoom meeting daily, we're Google Hangout meeting daily, or we're FaceTiming daily versus can we all just sit down in a room together? And a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty of being around others. Yeah. And this, this job is about relationships. Most jobs are about relationships. Education is about learning, but it's about connecting to people. And what we're taking away from it is, is we're going to try to drive that connectivity away because we have found a simpler tool. You know, um, it's not that it's right or it's wrong. It's the unknown of what will happen next. And having the conversation of stations of where we are today of trying to go back and trying to provide an environment where our student athletes and our coaches and our fans and our teachers feel that sense of security but understanding that there is a there's a natural risk involved when you're around others, but that risk can be mitigated by just simply doing small tasks or small jobs. That doesn't mean it's going to be completely removed, but but there is a way to 
to still perform and still be around others, but I feel that we're going to use some of the technological advancements that have been made. While they are a tremendous advantage for us, I think it's going to become what hinders it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm concerned about when we start to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, to me, technology is the exceptional event. Mm-hmm. The, we've had, a, we've had a, a virus that is very deadly and it spreads, and we know that. But the exception to it is the fact that now we have technology that is trying to fill its void and replacing it versus, you know, the old days of, well, you're going to get the chicken pox. Once you get the chicken pox, you go through those stages and, and then you're, you know, you're okay. I don't know if we're, if, if that's the answer, but I know that um, we, we want to go ahead and say, well, let's not have a, a league meeting today together. Let's, let's just jump on zoom and we'll all be able to look at each other on a computer and, and um, talk that way. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think we lose that piece of it. Yeah. That interconnect, interpersonal connection, in-person yeah. relationship. So how has, um, it, based on your interactions <laughs> virtually, right, your interactions with some of your student athletes and coaches, how is this affecting them and how they're approaching, especially this upcoming fall season? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the beauty to it was, is, uh, we all feel that the social emotional component is, is critical, and and our coaches here at Princeton, from the onslaught when we were told that it you know were stay at home orders were in effect in March and no more contact and school was uh, essentially going to virtual for mm-hmm. the remainder of the year, our coaches stepped up and and uh, maintained that connectivity whether it was through texting. Or again, having the Zoom meetings or the Google Hangout meetings, or just simply calling and checking on their, the student athletes and checking on the students and making sure that you know their their social emotional well beings were 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 together. And and our staff, we, uh, one of our assistants here, Tamet Duckworth, she's a veteran teacher from here and a coach and a and. Um, her connectivity to our students is is just uh, essential for us. And so we were making sure that we were maintaining, we would pick a couple of the student athletes each week and say, hey, let's just reach out to them and just check in and say, hey, we're just seeing how you're doing. And then from a coach's perspective, we, we did that once or twice. But at the end of the day, it got down to where we were having so much daily contact from an individual standpoint it was almost as if we were in the building mm-hmm. um, that we were, you know, we were basketball coach needed something, you know, they just reach out and we were able to have conversations, but, you know, they handled this such in stride and, and it hats off to the students because students are resilient and they, they are able to adapt and accept change when it's presented to them. They all have to go through it differently. Mm-hmm. But our student athletes manage this so well in terms of, hey, just let us know when we can get back. Because being here at school is so important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they took it. They were maintaining their physical well-being and, and maintaining you know, virtual workouts or hitting the parks or doing whatever they were permitted to do to stay, to stay in physical condition before they could get back here. And then when they get back here, they're ready to go and they're prepared to handle 
the uh, the rigors of what now is required of them from additional protocols to masking to additional hand sanitizing to physically wiping down equipment uh, in between each session where that may not happen until after a workout's completely over. Now we do it in between each session. They're all for that. What they struggle with right now and what we all struggle with with this is the social distancing. Mm -hmm. It's just so difficult when you're around your teammates or your friends or your neighbors, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, to say, I've got to stay six feet away from you. Mm -hmm. It just is a difficult thing to do because we as humans naturally want to gravitate toward one another. And so they're adapting through that. And our coaches are doing a much better job every single day of just trying to be observant of that, knowing that, hey, listen, the only way we're going to ever try to get back to those days prior to March 13th is going to be having to do these tough things. I don't know if we will get back there, mm-hmm. um, but we've got to maintain. We've got to make sure we're wearing masks, and we've got to make sure we stay uh, that that strong social distance so that we can continue that connection, so that we can continue to offer the opportunities that we are. Yeah, that's great. In college athletics now, um, given your background, you see that there is, you know, this issue where students have the right to their likeness, right? They actually have, they're negotiating through that right now in the NCAA. Um, How do you feel about that? As a former college athletic administration person now in your high school, how do you feel about that athletes have control of their likeness and can profit from it? Well, it's really, it's interesting. So, um, and I can't remember now, it had to have been in, in February. Um, we were traveling north, and it, it actually was. West Virginia was playing Ohio State mm-hmm. up in Cleveland, and we were heading up to the game. And on our way up, we were listening to NPR, and Gene Smith was being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole segment was about name, image, and likeness because he chairs that committee. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just it sparked something in me. And, and Kendra says to me, cause as we were, she was driving and, and we were listening, she said, you know, this component can come, bring it to the high school level. You know, the, the name, image, and likeness. What can we do as high school athletic directors to help the NCAA institutions as we are preparing our student athletes for the next level? What tools can we do to give, to give our student athletes as they prepare to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a, uh, that we have reached, there is time. Now we have come to that point where there is a rational value in promoting the image and likeness of the student athlete. I don't know how many jerseys we sold uh, from 1990 to 1998 when we were officially a Nike school um, at the University of Cincinnati, but I know we sold a whole bunch of them. And we sold a whole bunch of number 25s, which was Danny Fortson, Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of 23s, which was either Melvin Levitt or Ruben Patterson at that time. And we sold a whole bunch of number fours, which was Kenyon Martin. (laughs) And to be able to say, Danny, we're going to put you on the cover of Sports Illustrated in 1996 and sell a bunch of magazines. 
but you if if someone were to give you money to go out and and have dinner on that's a violation there is a point there where the institutions and the universities need to do a better job of supporting the student athlete and ensuring that we are protecting everyone and i believe that that's what it's more about it's about protecting not only the brand um, or the institution where that individual is attending, but it's about protecting that individual to ensure that there is something for them as they continue on the path that they've set out for. And you can transcend that. We know that it's a, probably a pretty small number of student athletes that are, that in, in quote unquote, are getting the promotion type situation. But, but that revenue stream also helps the student athletes who don't have a scholarship, who have walked on to that soccer team Mm -hmm. and can help them obtain their educational goals that they're striving for too. Mm -hmm. And so I I believe there's a lot of value in protecting that, not only for the institution, but for the student athlete. Now there are some, you know, it's not a rare occasion, but there are certainly, especially in like, for instance, the NBA, there are certainly high school level student athletes, right. Coming right out and going right into the professional mm-hmm. leagues. Do you see that translating down and you alluded to it? Do you ever see it becoming more extensive at the high school level? Certainly at schools like yours, right. A large, you know, more of an elite. A, yeah. A school. large. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can transcend we, with a, with a student athlete that we had had just graduate last year and, and Paris Johnson, who was an All-American and, and is now moving forward. But um, no, I don't, mm-hmm. um, because the purity of the purity of high school sports, it's still the purity of high school sports. There is still something to be said, a lot to be said about the community, about the, the closeness, about your, you still are playing for your school, your town, um, where you may have grown up, mm-hmm. you're playing for that. And the tool that we are providing you is a, is a pathway of education. Yeah. The universities are pro- providing a pathway of education as well. T- totally. Mm-hmm. But the universities are also trying to provide a pathway for a career. Yeah. Now we believe in providing a pathway for a career here because we know that not every student is going to attend a four-year college. Mm-hmm. So we want to provide every single one of our students the best pathway that they can to achieve success after high school. We want them to be able to attain a high school diploma and move into the next step, whether that's career tech or the military or on to a four-year college or a two-year college, whatever that path is, that's our focus here mm-hmm. is to prepare them for the next step. That's the university's focus as well. They just have to decide at that level, they have to make a decision on whether or not that student athlete is looking at the professional career or if they're looking at a career beyond participation in athletics. Mm. And so um, I don't ever see at a point where someone's going to come down and say, well, you can't sell my jersey because we've not reached a point where we're selling the jersey, you know. Um, but what I want to be able to do is take those student athletes in particular that have that passion or that identified skill set that they are going to transit, transition into athletics beyond high school mm-hmm. 
and help provide them the best tools that we can to set them up for success at whatever level that may be. Mm. And a lot of it is the, you know, we would like to get them to the point where, where, you know, are you prepared to handle the financial aspects of it? Do you have all of the tools you need to know what you're going to have to do in terms of just making sure you fill out financial aid paperwork correctly or selecting which school you're going to go to, whatever those tools are, we want to be that bridge for them. Mm. Student athletes that are going on to play, but also the student athletes who aren't going on to play, but want to go on for an education. Mm-hmm. We're going to help them with that. The student athletes who want to go on and continue in a career path or onto the military, we want to celebrate and help them every step of the way. Good stuff, Joe. Good stuff. I want to pivot a bit. We like to talk about inspired experiences. So you have coached, managed, played, experienced a lot of uh, venues, buildings, spaces in your career and time. What's a couple of great, what are a couple of great buildings you've seen a sports event in, whether you've been a participant, a manager you know, on the sidelines or the side side of the court or an athletic director? What are some of the best environments in sports? Well, I, you know, I'll start with, uh, and it'll always be called this bill, even though it's going to get torn down. Like I said, the new gym at Lexington high school, <laughs> Uh, built in 1978. Oh, yes. It's still today called the new gym. And I made a comment the other day, when that building goes down, because they are going to break ground on a new facility, mm-hmm. and they're going to build, obviously, a new gymnasium in that facility, it will not be called the new gym. There will always be one <laughs> new gym. And uh, oh, we moved yes. to Lexington, Ohio in 1980. And that, mm-hmm. that place opened in 78 and so that is that that facility will always be near and dear to me lexington uh is a is a basketball town and oh yeah uh, one two had an opportunity to win two watch and be a part of as a student two state championships and so uh, that community is near and dear to me but you know i can think of st john arena yeah yeah um i can think of rupp arena i can tell you that there is not anything better than the shoemaker center when 13,176 were in there <laughs> and it was rocking. Yeah. There was nothing like that. Um, Nippert stadium. Yeah. I abs- I think Nippert stadium is my favorite football stadium anywhere. Uh, it, there is nothing like a beautiful Saturday afternoon and watching college football in that facility or watching high school football in that facility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I, I, I really like uh, the pro football hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Again. At Canton, where we, where we moved to, had an opportunity to be a part of where we transitioned the state football championships to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the phone this morning, actually with someone. And I said, I don't know if there might be a better setting for a high school football state championship than at the birthplace of football with the hall of fame right behind you. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just a great facility to be a part of that on the campus of Ohio state is pretty neat. That is pretty impressive. (laughs) But in terms of just being right there where the birthplace of football took, you know, all began. Yeah. It's really neat to be able to do. I think that's been a, an inspiring impactful site for me along the way. 
mm-hmm. um, I, Rupp Arena. Uh, I can think of the first time I ever got to go to the old RCA Dome for the Final Four. <laughs> uh, Kentucky got beat by Arizona. Coach calls. It was a it was a Monday morning, and coach calls me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I just got out of class. I don't even know if I had gotten out of class, but I told him I had just gotten out of class. He's like, June Ann and I are picking you up. We're going back to Indianapolis for the national championship game. And I mean, I can just remember that. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to the final four. This is incredible, you know, to get to do that. But um, I, I always enjoyed um, being at UC and, and going to all of the college facilities. I thought, um, St. Louis, back when Charlie Spoonhour was coaching, that place was just always rocking. Yeah. Um, I loved it out at Utah, mm. even though we we just never could get out of the first round. I always <laughs> loved my my experiences at you know in Utah. Um, Marquette was always a great place to go and play. Oh yeah, um, uh, Tulane in the small in the small arena at Tulane, where it was a heated environment. The old pyramid in Memphis. Oh yeah. <laughs> they had a they had a fan. I wish I remembered his name. They had a guy. He his season tickets were behind the visiting bench. Oh no. And people can say what they want about about coach. This guy wore us out for forty straight really? minutes. He's going right there at Hugs every, the whole time. Right the, the whole time. The whole time. And I, there was a couple times I thought Hugs was going to go up there and, and have a conversation with him <laughs> in the stands. But, but I mean, you know, those were some great sights and great memories. Um, the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. I oh, mean, yeah. just a beautiful play. And then, uh, it was paradise when we got to go to Hawaii, out to the University of Hawaii and play in the Rainbow Classic. Although Darnell Burton gets stung by a jellyfish, I believe it was either the first day or the (laughs) second day we were there. And so coach is like, nobody goes to the ocean. (laughs) So, (laughs) what? (laughs) Nobody goes to the ocean. And the hotel sits right on the beach. So we were allowed to look at it, but nobody was allowed to go to the ocean from that point forward. So, yeah, we had some great times out there. But, yeah, good memories. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, you're well-versed in athletic facilities. You've run, you've managed, you've coached, you've participated. You know, what are some of the trends or issues? You know, you've inherited a large district that has some great facilities, um, and I know you guys are always looking to improve, but what are some trends or issues you see in athletic facility design, stadium design, school design, based on your expertise, things you'd like to change, things you'd like to modify, based on what, what Joe Roberts knows now as an athletic yeah. leader? Well, you know, I mean, from, from this standpoint here and, and at this facility, um, it's, it's as impactful as it gets. I don't know if you've ever been inside to see it, mm-hmm. but it is, it is, it was thought out extremely well. It's a nice building. Really, and, really nice building. Um, really, really the, nice building. the flow, the ingress and egress of this facility, um, from, from the entrance of Viking Village that separates both the high school and the middle school, uh, where our natatorium sits and our arena sits, and then uh, just that. And then Matthew's Auditorium is all right there, and it's a, it's a dedicated area mm-hmm. for where fans park, and they're not dis- disrupting the flow and the everyday mindset of what's going on in the academic wings. Um, to come into the, the facility in our in Viking Arena uh, it, it's just a, a great setup. Mm-hmm. And then across the street at our stadium, um, you know, the, the home that Coach Mancuso uh, reformatted, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's just a 
the stadium where it sits. I, it, it's like it to me without it being enclosed, obviously, and it's different in size. It's it's the setting is almost like being at Nippert, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're kind of tucked down in a little a little cove, if you will, mm-hmm. and you're right off of the highway, and cars are going by, and cars are seeing what's going on there every single day. Yep. Um, it's it's an attraction piece. Uh, to have the ability to have two baseball facilities with a, a press box system in the between the two of them to operate, um, beautiful tennis courts, uh, a softball facility uh, that we are are constantly working on and, and doing and doing improvements in terms of making you know field maintenance and things of that effect. But we have an incredible buildings and ground staff here that just do an impeccable job of making sure that our facilities are looking the best every single day for our community and our guests when they arrive here. Our custodial service department does an unbelievable job. Um, just the attention and the pride they have into it. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the, the trends and the issues that are affecting us today is, is going to be the same trend that's affecting us tomorrow and always has been, and it's the finances. Yeah. Uh, and and now now we have to add on top of uh, the COVID nineteen situations that are going on. And um, when we look to trying to do some types of expansions uh, and trying to to look for alternative funding to those, um, you know, I'll use the locker facility at the stadium. We've done some really good stuff, and we're starting to do some more to the floors uh, that were original, and we're putting some of that. Uh, weather flooring in, but eventually we're going to have to update that space. And along with that is something I don't know if we, I don't know if school districts or universities need, uh, just find different ways to, to create the lack of, but the storage, you know, and are we going to have to add more storage on? Are we going to, you know, do we really need more storage? Well, in some situations, I think we do, but once we reach the point where we're going to have to do some remodeling and, and, and new construction to those sites over there to, to grow it, to expand it. At the time that it was built, you know, we – soccer was in its infancy stages. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if girls tra- – girls track may have started, but, you know, girl, uh, girls athletics started much later. And so, you know, we need to look for additional locker facilities so that our – all of our student athletes have a place where yep. they can go and change their clothes and put their valuables in a locker and secure them and not worry about leaving their gym bag out on the on the track while they're practicing and so on and so forth. So when that comes, when those days come that we have to look at that, the the alternative uh, revenue source <clears throat> and and how we're going to seek that will be a, will play a big role in what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's uh, I think that's. That is a common thread we hear not only from high schools, but also colleges, especially now, right, yeah. post-COVID, where all their yeah. revenue is just decimated for the fall. Yeah. So, And, and you know, so much of it is a, uh, a, a big component, too, is, is that old adage of trying to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we how many times did – and, and I, I eat it up. I remember when LSU first released the photos when they redid their locker room <laughs> shoot last year prior to the national championship and what they did there. Now you can see 
Alabama's locker room and what they just did. I mean, it is so fascinating to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and all of that trend, if anybody remembers, that trend really got started at the University of Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everything, and everything that they did. Um, and then go back even a step further, Florida. And oh, what yeah. Jeremy Foley was able to do during his tenure at the University of Florida, and of course, it certainly helps you when you have Urban Meyer and uh, Billy Donovan winning national championships. Yeah. But you know, the 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 facility race has always been on, and and then you look at what what Ohio State has done and the impact that uh, Gene Smith and his team has been able to do, and it falls right down here to the high schools. Absolutely. And I can remember probably the first time you and I ever met is when you guys opened. St. X's Stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And, you know, here I come walking over because I wanted to see what the latest and greatest was. Yeah. And you sit there and you think, okay, how do I, as an athletic director, create this environment in the space that I have or in the in the constraints that we may have for our student athletes? Yeah. And here in Southwest Ohio, without question, it has certainly grown. You look at yeah, our yeah. conference in the GMC, I mean – Mason, Lakota East, Lakota West, the things they're doing at Sycamore, uh, Colerain, Fairfield, Middle, the, the facility that they've redone at Middletown and Barnt Stadium and, and so on and so forth, and then all the construction that we had here at Princeton. Um, we truly believe that we are trying to provide the, the absolute maximum best environments that we can for our student-athletes to establish them to have the success that they need in order to continue their education. And so all of that comes into play. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I marvel at that. And, and I love that challenge. I, I think that, uh, Scott Kaufman, the athletic director at Lakota West, he, he's probably, um, the best in that, in that mode of being able to look at a site and, and tweaking certain areas and adding um, adding a an entryway to something, and it just totally transcends what they're doing. Uh, and all they did was change a gate. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so we're we're always trying to find that next. All right, if we moved the if we moved the steps thirteen feet over, what would that have done? How would that have looked? What can we do here to change this seating section to make it more like that? And so we constantly are evaluating that, but trying to figure out, okay, that's all great for us to do, but then we got to figure out how we're going to fund it. Yeah. Where's the, where's the George <laughs> where's Washington? The where's the George <laughs> yeah. Washington? Where, where's the money? And where's, where's that coming from? Oh yeah. And it's, it's a, uh, it's been interesting. You mentioned St. X and that's been, I can't believe 19 years since that opened. 19 years. 2001 yeah. and how that yeah. kind of raised the bar in Southwest Ohio. Um, and it's yeah. still held up well. It's still one of the best of all of them. Um, but it's, yeah. I was, I was at Kings. I was at Kings at the time and I was getting right ahead to Campbell County. That's right. Oh my goodness. Yep. I remember coming to see you down there in the purple field. Yep. Purple that's right. Ones. And we remember we, well, and let's talk about that. Now you think about that night. That would have been 18 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. We had all of these dreams of designing that stadium and that and that campus at the new high school. Yeah. And they finally did it. <laughs> it took you know, them they finally did it. And we, yeah. it. It did. It took forever. But I was I think about that all the time. And I haven't been down there in a while, but people I talk to they say, You've got to check it out. You've yeah. got to see what they did. It's just 
And I, I mean, if you think about it, back then, we were talking about, hey, let's put a library in, let's put a post office in, you know, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. I mean, Big vision. Our, our ideas were, we had great vision at that time. But, Big vision. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's great to watch. So one of the other things we like to talk about is enduring impact. And you've talked a lot about yeah. some of the folks, you know, Coach Huggins and obviously all your mentors in your hometown and throughout your experience. But turning the other foot, you know, Joe Roberts has some wisdom to give to other folks from his life experience. What's that wisdom, Joe? What's your nugget for enduring impact? Well, I, I, you know, I think my nugget is, and I wrote it on the board this morning, it's a part of it's listening. My nuggets to always listen. And, uh, you know, I want to leave that, that mark anywhere I go is that, you know, the, that we listened and we, we were always available and you've got to be up, up to coming to work every day and loving what you do. And I use the phrase, I don't consider what I do work because I love it so much. I love this profession. I love this, this career path that we set ourselves out on. Yeah, there are days when there, when you have your ups and your downs and your frustrations and the hours are long and you, you just don't think you accomplished anything. But set all that aside, you know, when you love what you're doing, you're going to be able to make an enduring impact on others. Mm. Wow. Good stuff. What are you excited about right now? Huh. Well, I'm excited about the fall. Mm-hmm. And in truth be known, I'm excited about the unknown of it. Talk about that. Um, as I said, as I said earlier, I have, I am so thankful for the people that I've come across my path in my life. Those that have been laid out in front of me, um, the group here at Princeton, they are as dynamic and supportive and open and willing to do what we can to serve. And I am excited about not only seeing what the unknown brings, but I'm excited about celebrating the successes and learning from the failures. Because we know going through this unchallenging time, come Saturday, August 1st, we are going to fail at something. <laughs> we, we just are. We, we, you cannot say that everything is going to be perfect. But what you can say is, okay, why did we fail at it, and what can we do to make it different? And so that's what I'm excited about right now. Hmm. You know, I'm excited to to watch. Uh, I'm excited to watch my daughter, who's trying out for the freshman volleyball team, to find out whether or not she fails or she succeeds in that goal. Mm-hmm. My son, who's going into seventh grade, try out for the seventh grade golf team to see how he does coming off of another summer baseball season and, and just watching what's next for them. Um, and then from an academic standpoint, what it's going to look like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as we talked about when we first started earlier, you know, this, this technology that has really become the exceptional event in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're literally talking to kids right now about virtual school <laughs> and, what that looks like. Now, there are some great things that can happen out of that because I do think that maybe we may have to change what it looks like from walking in and sitting at a desk. But, the, but what that could look like for a student um, 
that that's going to be real exciting to see. Mm. Indeed it is. The great unknown. The uh, great unknown. The great unknown provides yeah. unique opportunities to innovate and embrace something new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. I just look up and we've been talking almost an hour. It's been awesome. I had no idea. I, I, <laughs> I'd look it up. I, I like, know. I told you. I told good. you I could talk forever. It's good. <laughs> oh man, it's so good to go. So good to hear your voice. It's been too long. So yeah. how does how do people find out about the uh, Princeton Viking Nation? Absolutely. Well, our website is uh, www.viknation.org, V-I-K-E nation.org. And uh, just a tremendous way to get into it. You can follow us on Twitter at Vike Nation or at Vike Nation AD. That's my personal Twitter. But uh, we have Instagram. We have Facebook. Um, but vikenation.org, our website, uh, constantly changing, constantly updating schedules. And obviously, a lot of things are not 100% to the T current because it's an ever evolving, ever changing process. But uh, we're here to take those challenges on, you know, in the, in the world of social media um, and, and that sort of thing. But um, it's, it's been great. It, we're looking forward to what's, what's next. And this has been an unbelievable hour. Yeah. Thanks so much. I mean, it, it's been great to connect and great to learn from you and hear what makes you tick. And I know that the, the people of Princeton schools, their kids are in good hands with you and the team. And, Um, I look forward to seeing the Viking nation return to their glory and prominence, which I know you're on the way and uh, continuing new generations of legends up there on Saturday. Like I said, yeah, these, our coaches have just done all the credit goes to, to what they're doing, our athletic training staff and, and those that are leading our young people uh, preparing them for the next chapter. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing what's about to develop. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on Building Ideas, and we look forward to getting this out there in the universe. Yep. Thanks, Bill. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA Design, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.